4: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we'll be exploring some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living that is completely relevant to us in our modern world Yoga is a Sanskrit word that mostly everyone knows today, but not all are familiar with the philosophy that underlies this practice. And we're going to be looking at that today, in particular, um, the practice of meditation and how yoga really refers to what is called samadhi or oneness, union or unity, meaning bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential spiritual nature, being restored to our original wholeness. This is really knowing the truth of what we are and then uh, living in harmony with that truth. Our topic today is spiritual practice in the Kriya Yoga tradition and we'll be exploring some insights from a primary text of yoga, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra and this is part one of two conversations with my spiritual Teacher and guru, Roy Eugene Davis. Um, Mr. Davis was born in uh, Ohio and grew up in a farming community. And when he was 18, he read uh, the now famous book. Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda and even as a young man, Mr. Davis then recognized his spiritual teacher, his own guru. So in 1949 he traveled across the country to Los Angeles, California to meet Paramahansa Ji and he was accepted for monastic discipleship training and later ordained by Parmansa Yogananda. He served uh, as the minister of the Phoenix, Arizona Self-Realization Fellowship Center uh, in uh, March. He was appointed there in March 1952. And later, um, he went on to Uh, Get his experience in the world and became an independent uh, teacher, still connected and grounded in this tradition of Kriya Yoga. So he has been serving for more than 60 years teaching in this tradition. Uh, in more than 100 cities in North America, in Japan, Brazil, Europe, West Africa, and India. Some of his books are published in, I know now, more than 10 languages in uh, 11 different countries. He's publisher of Truth Journal Magazine, which has been continuously um, published for 47 years. And he writes monthly um Study Lessons for CSA Members Around the World. You can find some excellent resources at his website, which is csa-davis.org. Welcome, Roy. I'm so delighted that you're back on the Yoga Hour today.
5: Thank you, Helen. It's a pleasure to once again be with you on on this program with Unity.
4: So before we begin our conversation, let's just pause uh, for a moment of meditation. Um. One life, one power, one presence, one reality that is called by many names is the source, the support, the substance of all that is. So anytime during the day, we can take a moment just to remember that, that right where we are, that reality, that infinite divine reality exists in and through and as us. So breathing in, feel that you are diving into this deeper awareness of your true self, your essential being. Breathing out, just relax and let go of restless thoughts, of any worries or concerns. Breathing in, remember the truth of your being, the truth of life. And invite the peace that is inherent to your own essence of being, Invite that peace to pervade your mental field and your physical body. Breathe out and just be present. When we take a moment like this to become quiet and centered, it doesn't take long to be able to witness thoughts and feelings arising and passing away, and to know, to remember that our essential nature is beyond words and thoughts and emotions, that we are the conscious witness to all that occurs, unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. So let us abide in the peace and in the joy that comes with that self knowing. And let it overflow as a blessing for all beings that we encounter everywhere today.
5: Aum.
4: After our brief interlude of just a short centering meditation, we're going to begin our conversation today um, drawing some insights from Patanjali's Yoga Sutra and from Mr. Davis's commentary on, on that treatise. His commentary is called The Science of Self-Realization, A Guide to Spiritual Practice in the Kriya Yoga Tradition. And uh, it's a commentary on Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And so we're going to begin that with insights into Superconscious meditation. Superconscious meditation is considered a foundational, essential practice for anyone really on the enlightenment path, and potentially is Yoga Sutra. Uh, offers us some really helpful insights about why that's so important to us, how superconscious meditation occurs, what some of the obstacles are that that we might encounter along the way, or I should say that we're likely to encounter <laughs> along the way, and how to overcome them. So let's begin our conversation with what this superconscious meditation actually is. Um, so, Ray, how do you define superconscious meditation?
5: All right. First, we define superconscious, and we use the first part of the word super, which means above or beyond. So a superconscious meditative uh, experience or state would be one which is above or beyond ordinary or modified uh, states of consciousness such as waking states when we the mind is active and emotions are restless, or sleep or deep deep uh, with dreams or deep sleep. So, superconsciousness is a state of cl- extreme clarity of awareness uh, during which we are not uh, aware of or at least influenced by the ordinary mod- modifying conditions uh, of consciousness. So it's important to get to that stage of super-consciousness in order to remove attention for a while at least while meditating, remove attention from all of the mental and emotional clutter that usually uh, involves our awareness. Mm -hmm. And when we are able to be super-conscious for a while when meditating, this super-conscious influence that has been found with uh, studies at universities in recent years Superconscious influence res- results in strengthening of the body's immune system the slowing of the body's uh, uh, bi- biologic aging su- uh, aging processes uh, reduces stress uh, it improves the uh, by- intellectual ability and thinking thinking ability uh, but pro- it-, it provides the person to have an opportunity to experience their pure essence, of being, which is the core nature, the true nature of every person. Mm -hmm. And it it provides the opportunity to actually experience that directly. That means without the use of the intellect, the mind, the senses, or even of intuition. It's a direct experience of our pure essence.
4: Thank you for that explanation. So so clear. And as you are um as you have pointed out of course there's many um health and spiritual benefits to superconscious meditation and um and really as you have said it is the direct experience of our essential nature which is the the ground of being i mean in a sense it's not really even a state um of consciousness because it is unchanging and it is that which makes the other states possible <laughs> you that's know right. yes. yeah yes. and so i always feel that's helpful for people to understand and it was for me you know when you taught me this that you know uh, you know to the idea of meditating super consciously having a samadhi experience you know sounds so um uh, you know uh, elevated and remote, but you know once we understand that it's actually the truth of our being that you right. know what we're do- what we're doing is experiencing that which we already are, um I think that's so helpful for people because we 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 know that this is something that is is really natural to us already
5: right. yes, when the when all of the mental and emotional clutter is removed. Uh, at least temporarily, when we're uh, meditating, then we can experience that deep, serene, calm uh, reality of our being. And it's not a condition that we create or produce. It's, it's it's our true nature at that level. We are always at that level. We are always whole, serene, knowledgeable, peaceful. And when we meditate, we simply withdraw attention from the external uh, conditions that usually occupy our attention and keep us from recognizing and experiencing what we are. So anyone can learn, to almost anyone can learn to meditate effectively. There may be some people who have attention deficit disorder or mood disorder, but most people can, with practice, learn to meditate effectively and experience the superconsciousness.
4: And, you know, you've touched on... um you know, why this particular type of meditation, you know, superconscious meditation, is considered to be so important. You know, when people talk about meditation, there are so many different forms, you know. It could be um you know, visualization or the use of imagination, you know and all of these are 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 helpful to people. But sometimes I have people ask me, you know, is it okay if I, you know, listen to music or have a guided meditation? Um but superconscious meditation is different from all of that and you know for some very important reasons. So could you tell us a little bit about why um it's so important um this particular kind of
5: meditation yes well uh, as you mentioned so certain practices can be helpful as 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 preparation uh, listening to mood music or pleasant music uh, audible ch- uh, audible uh, chanting mental chanting uh, mental recitation of an affirmation these can be helpful preparatory practices but when we get right, right down to it in order to meditate superconsciously, we have to detach our attention from all of these outer involvements, really, and go go more deeply within to our core. And that's the essence of the teaching in the Patanjali Yoga Sutra, as you know, in the second sutra of the first uh, section, where Patanjali uh, wrote the, 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 that Samadhi, which is the he uses as a synonym for yoga, unification of attention and awareness with our essence of being, samadhi is experienced when the fluctuations or movements that ordinarily occur in mind and awareness are quieted. So when they are quieted and we remain alert and observant, then all that remains to be experienced is what we are, our pure essence. So it is self-shining or self-revealed when the contents of the mind and the emotions are completely settled, and even furthermore, when the impulses that arise from deeper levels of consciousness that activate thoughts and emotions, when they stop, when they are stilled, and yet we remain conscious, then we are self-knowing, or in that state of oneness consciousness, which is defined as samadhi using the Sanskrit term, Theoretically, if we could go to sleep and stay conscious, or th- allow the body and mind to go to sleep while we stayed conscious, we would be in that in, in that self self knowing uh, place. But most of the time, when we go to sleep, we go unconscious. <laughs> Or, so, or,
4: even, or even when we're awake, we can be unconscious.
5: Yes. <laughs> so, and, 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 and some people actually, when they meditate, are inclined to go into a semi-sleep semi, semi state or even go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And there's a joke among yogis about people who do that. They say they are practicing Nidra Samadhi or oneness with sleep. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're having sleep samadhi. Mm-hmm. And they come out of that and they say, oh, I feel so rested. I don't know where I was. Or what happened? But I feel so rested while they were sleeping. <laughs> so it's important when we meditate to stay alert and very watchful, very alert and watchful to see the changes that occur in our in our consciousness as thoughts become uh, less forceful, as emotions become settled, as the breathing becomes slower and even. Then we we watch what happens. And we notice that our awareness becomes increasingly clear. And so that's why it's very important to stay alert and attentive when we we meditate.
4: And you you have mentioned um, also that I think is a really good tip for those of us interested in um, meditation, which is to be curious. So, you know, not only uh, alert, but but adding on this little piece of, you know, being curious so that it, it helps you to stay alert. Like, what is happening? You know, we're talking about our ability to actually observe the mind itself and to observe the mind becoming quiet. And I think for people who despair that the mind, you know, never becomes quiet, you know, Part of uh, the teaching that you have given us is you know be be curious about it because then that helps us be anchored you know in in the awareness that allows us to observe.
5: Yes, and especially be very curious about what can about the possibility of experiencing a thought free moment or a longer a longer duration of thought free awareness uh, during meditation, especially. If we're uh, practicing breath awareness uh, as a preliminary uh, practice and the breathing becomes slower, inhalation and exhalation becomes longer and the pause between exhalation and inhalation becomes longer. And during that pause, which we call a gap or space uh, between exhalation and inhalation, there can be a gap or a space in streams of thoughts and there can be momentarily an actual experience of thought-free awareness. We're just there in that moment, present-time moment, thought-free. And that uh, uh, verifies or proves to people that it is possible to be aware in the moment without the support of thoughts and emotions. And yet it's not a hypnotic state, it's not a state of unconsciousness, it's a, it's a, it's a moment of intense, alert awareness.
4: It's a beautiful description and a great support that, you know, right where we are, we have a, a very powerful tool, which is the breath. Just observing how the breath gets quiet and then um, especially paying attention to that little pause um, between the arc of inhalation and exhalation and how the mind will become quiet at that point. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest today, Roy Eugene Davis, the spiritual director of Center for Spiritual Awareness. His website is csa-davis.org. And when we come back from the break, we're going to look at what some of those obstacles to meditation are and how we can overcome them. We'll be right back with you.
3: Listening to the Yoga Hour Living the Eternal Way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour.
4: I'm Yogacharya O'Brien and I'm joined today by my guru Roy Eugene Davis, who is a direct disciple of Parmansa Yogananda. He's the author of the book we're drawing inspiration from today, called *The Science of Self-Realization*, which is his commentary on Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. His books are uh, available. Uh, At his uh, website csa-davis.org, or they're also available on uh, Amazon, and many of them are available uh, through Kindle and other uh, eBooks. So take a look at the website and find out more about that. In this segment, we're going to look at the common obstacles to meditation, and and really by extension, um, to spiritually conscious living, and uh, not just identify those uh, obstacles, but take a look at how we can overcome them um, besides the ordinarily uh, restless nature of the mind which seems to be the most uh, formidable obstacle for people who begin uh meditation practice. There's several conditions that can arise and make it more difficult to successfully practice um, meditation. And these obstacles are mentioned by Patanjali in the Yoga Sutra. Um, I think it's important to say because they're common experiences and because it's possible to overcome them. Sutra one thirty lists several of these obstacles to experiencing uh, superconsciousness or samadhi. And um, your translation of that sutra reads, Some obstacles to experiencing samadhi are illness, doubt, negligence, confusion, failure to make progress, instability, addictions and attachments, misperceptions and distraction. Of attention, I'm guessing that um, those of you who are meditators who are listening in, you know, could probably check off several of those that you have encountered. Uh, the first obstacle, illness, I think points us towards the emphasis that yoga teachings place on healthy living. Um, why it's so important to uh, nurture and take good care of the body and mind. And um, you have always uh, taught me about this from the very beginning, that, you know, we need to um, take care of our well-being. So will you talk a little bit about how we can cultivate health, well-being, and vitality?
5: All right. Yes, it is important that we be as healthy as possible because even though we are spiritual beings, we also express through a mind and physical body, and uh, at times our awareness can be influenced by physical and mental conditions, and we don't want to be uh, be unduly distracted from our higher purpose uh, goals in life. So I recommend cultivating one. Uh, a health consciousness, a consciousness of being healthy, and following through with uh, lifestyle regimens that will contribute to the nurturing of health, uh, obtaining adequate sleep so that we're not sleep-deprived, having regular exercise suitable to our basic mind-body constitution, uh, having a well-balanced, wholesome diet, and I recommend vegetarian uh, diet, organic uh, Foods, foods, when, when possible. Uh, but it's very important to have this mental attitude of I am a healthy, vital person, uh, and uh, then follow through and do all of the practical things to support that, to, to support that affirmation. So, and if and if we at times we need assistance, for professional help in solving a, a health problem. We should certainly seek out the, the best advice we can get. And uh, get our get our mind body constitution balanced. Get any chemical imbalance balances taken care of, so that we, we don't have this impediment of uh, of poor health, uh, physical or or psychological.
4: And you know, I, some of it, of course, just is just plain common sense. <laughs> you know, take good care of ourselves. You know, I I I see sometimes. You know, people think, well, you know, right now I have this to do and that to do. Oh, you know, yeah. I'm so busy with my work or family life, and I will, um, I'll, I'll take up exercise later, or I'll I'll change my diet later, um, but. The stress on the body is cumulative, and so yes. you know yoga practice is really comprehensive, and it's.
5: Uh, and it, only, it only takes a few minutes a day. Uh, it, for you know maybe twenty, thirty minutes a day for a good, a good routine. Uh, I recommend hatha yoga for those who like to practice it. Chikong isn't chikong, uh, energy movement uh it, it, it is very useful uh i I swim every day when the when the weather is suitable here in north georgia and when the weather is not suitable for swimming i go to the uh i go to a, a spa three times a week and work out on uh, on the machines and uh then i do i do some sort of stretch stretching maneuvers also and a high, a light hot the yoga routine from time to time so, uh, And also, I meditate every day. Now, meditation is also a, health, a health-nurturing practice. And uh, you mentioned earlier that I have been on this uh, trail for more than 60 years. And, and I tell people when I'm, we have our classes and our programs, I say after 60 years, I still meditate first thing every morning. And I, I have done that for years, and I still do it. Uh, even on those occasions that I, when, when I feel pretty spiritually conscious without meditation, I like to experience that that deep calm uh, silence uh, every day, and that's yeah. to me too. That that's part that's part of the health health nurturing process. But we should take care of the outer matters too. The, the, and my guru Paramahansa Yogananda was very strong in this point. He always told his disciples to exercise and to to eat eat, eat wisely. And uh, so we recommend that for everyone as being a good common sense thing to to adhere to.
4: And, you know, you often have told this story about the um, disciple who who asked Paramahansaji, you know, why he needed to take time to meditate. Could you share that story
5: with us? Yes. Uh, almost every day, uh, he, met, he stayed in his private quarters at the self realization Fellowship headquarters in Los Angeles. Early in the morning, three or four hours, he was absolutely alone in his rooms. And um, most of the time, he was engaged in his silent work and meditation and prayer on behalf of others and so on. And uh, in the 1940s, someone who had known him for years was talking with him and said, Sir, I've noticed, uh, I've been around you off and on for many years, and you always seem God uh, self-realized and God-conscious to me at all times, but I understand you spend three or four hours privately every morning, uh, doing your inner inner meditation and your inner work. Why do you still do that routine When whenever, whenever I see you? At other times, you always seem to be very God-conscious. And he said, how can I sh- share the spirit of God with others if I am not drenched in it myself? Mm-hmm. So even though I, when I was with him, I observed that he was always alert and and God-conscious, when I was in his presence, I felt a sense of omnipresence and great inner strength. But still, he stayed to, to that schedule, early morning private time. Uh, I read an article a while back about the Dalai Lama, who was a very busy person. And uh, in the article, he was asked, uh, do, you, do you still meditate? And he, he said, I'm, I'm uh, very busy with political and social responsibilities but first of all i'm a monk and the first five hours of every day i meditate and pray imagine that someone that busy
4: isn't that beautiful five hours
5: and and i've also uh, seen
4: i've also seen a photograph of him uh doing you know reviewing some text or something while he's on the treadmill so (laughs) <laughs> so, he's, he's a good example as well. Um, you know, in that list of obstacles besides, you know, illness, then, then we have a doubt and confusion. So, um, you know, how do doubt and confusion show up as obstacles to meditation? And really, we could say, you know, how do they impede our spiritual progress mm. in general? What do you think causes confusion and doubt?
5: Well, uh, I've noticed uh, with, some, with some folks, one of the problems is they aren't well informed about uh, what I call metaphysical or higher realities. They really don't know what to think about what is this ultimate reality we call God. What is my relationship to it? Uh, what am I as a spiritual being? What is the purpose of my being in this world? They don't have an understanding of these of these basic uh, basic matters, or they haven't yet. Uh, uh been willing to or thought about growing to emotional maturity they're still dependent and uh and uh um, on uh, on their uh, really really they want a parent figure for God or a parent figure for for a spiritual teacher who will who will sort of hold their hand and and keep on encouraging them and so forth and really they ought to grow up and uh Start to think independently and be Mm self-reliant. And uh, in the Yoga Sutra, of course, I recall I recall this text that you that you read, Sutra 130. Following that, Patanjali said, uh, among other things, all obstacles can be uh, overcome by uh, practice of pranayama, that is, Mm -hmm. breath awareness and other other breathing procedures that that uh, harmonize the interactions of the left and right hemispheres of the brain and harmonize the flows of energies in the body. And also later, also by surrender to God, and by that he meant just letting go of our mistaken sense of self-identity in order to apprehend and actually experience that, the truth of what we are in relationship to this ultimate reality. In other words, we transcend our human nature, our conditioned human nature. And if we transcend our conditioned human nature, we won't have a lot of these problems or so-called obstacles that are listed here.
4: Mm-hmm. And, that and
5: most have- problems, according to Patanjali, as you know, most problems are directly related to the fact that most people don't really know that they are spiritual beings. They think that they are small, confined units of consciousness, uh, egocentric creatures and that is their that is their self view mm-hmm. and uh, so they've got it all mixed up you know
4: <laughs> and 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 kriya yoga offers these you know the three core practices i think we could point back to that that are very helpful in terms of all the things that you've mentioned you know clearing up this confusion and Doubt, um, because we we clarify the mental field. We learn to see clearly, and our doubt is really removed by uh, direct experience. But the, right. pra- that, that, the, the I was going to say the three practices that we find that really help us do that are our self discipline. Um, you know, learning to 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 live uh, in accordance with our spiritual nature, and the second one I think that is really key to. This, clearing up confusion and doubt, is a study of uh, higher realities um, and self-inquiry, you know, really asking right. and, and discovering what we are. And then, as you have mentioned, uh, surrender. Um, the You know, the other... Um, Obstacle that's mentioned is you know addictions and attachments that cloud the mind, um, and of course clearing up <laughs> the confusion and doubt, learning <laughs> what we are helps us to clear up uh, addictions and attachments. Um, but yet, you know, there are people who you know fear that they'll they'll never be able to be free uh, of these problems. So, what do you see as the as yoga's key? To uh, the self-mastery that can bring the freedom that we all uh, yearn for
5: well I think the important thing is to do is to, is to as you mentioned acquire as much uh, uh, useful information as possible and then uh, just go forth and apply ourselves with, with confidence to do the things that people say are helpful to do and have our, our own uh, awakening and learning experiences and then we learn for ourselves uh, that it's true. We can, we can master our mental states and our emotions and our states of consciousness. And uh, we don't have to, uh, and as spiritual beings, we can be invincible. We don't have to be at the mercy of these conditions that so many people uh, say are limiting and binding. We, 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 can, we, we can be superior to them. But it's, but we have to do it. Uh, no one else can do it for us. We can be encouraged and supported by others, but we have to do it ourselves. And that's what I learned from my guru Paramhansa Yogananda. And uh, I recall on what, more than one occasion when he would uh, have to cor- correct or, or or a disciple or redirect their attention and get them back on course, he would say, "I only tell you this." Because I want you to be as strong as I am, but he told us that he, what he his consciousness and what he knew was helpful for him, but we had to, we also had to know it for ourselves
4: mm, we had to that, be
5: like the guru
4: and that is really the spirit of of yoga that it isn't just information that we take in from someone else um, that can support us as you say but we have to realize the truth for ourselves. That's the only um, way it becomes transformative for us. Um, and you mentioned, uh, you know, developing, um, having a health consciousness, and and now we're really also talking about having a spiritual consciousness. You know, I, I of course, I have been uh, encouraged um, for decades um, by you, um, by, you know, what you have uh, offered in, in teachings, but also as examples example that you provide um for us and you know part of that is a is a question that you have passed on from your guru for us which is you know why not live in the highest way yes why not live in the highest way you know there's just i think we all have that deep uh, soul yearning
5: and right. uh, I re- remember he he said that to me i visited i was visiting him uh, in California, at his his retreat house out in the out in the in the uh, Mojave Desert, in 1950, uh, summer of 1950, and he said those exact words. He said, "You have to live anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't do anything but live. You have to live anyway. So why not live in the highest way?" And it made so much sense, you know. Mm-hmm. We have to live. We can't. Uh, and if we stop breathing here, we're going to wake up someplace else and still be alive. <laughs> but as long as we're breathing and living here, we we can make choices and decide how, how are we going to live. Mm. Are we going to just muddle, muddle through life and complain and, and, and have one problem after another, or are we going to be victorious and, and live real, uh, wisely and successfully? And uh, I think, I think the choice we make makes all the difference.
4: It, it really does. And that is truly the spirit of yoga, the spirit of enlightened living. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guests today. Roy Eugene Davis. His website is csa-davis.org. And there you'll find um, many resources, uh, free uh, booklets that you can download on um, meditation and spiritual living. Uh, We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Coming up in our last segment, we're going to talk about support for spiritual awakening. We'll be right back with you.
7: Are we nearing the end of the world? Reading the book of Revelation, you might think so, and it doesn't end well. But is it possible that the Bible's darkest story is a positive tale? Author Ed Townley, host of the Unity Online radio show, The Bible Alive, thinks so. A Bible enthusiast, Townley focuses on the metaphysical meanings rather than the literal text. In Kingdom Come, new from Unity Books, Townley takes a fresh approach to revelation. The kingdom, Townley explains, doesn't await us in the afterlife. It's ours to experience today as we learn to find the good even in our darkest challenges. Explore Revelation in a new light. Order the book Kingdom Come online today at unitybooks.org.
2: Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, The voice of an awakening world.
3: You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email. At the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. And we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour.
4: Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and my guest today is Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Parmansa Yogananda. And the author of the book, The Science of Self-Realization, which is a commentary on Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. In this last uh, segment of the program today, we're going to look at how Kriya Yoga views the mind. Uh, When we sit to meditate, we, we can and often do experience the mind as our greatest obstacle. You know, so many people say, you know, I'd like to meditate, but I just can't you know, get beyond these wandering thoughts and we need, um, the mind to become quiet in order to meditate. Um, many aspiring yogis, you know, experience the mind as something negative, you know, something that to be spiritually enlightened, we have to get beyond and, um, but I think insight into our essential nature and how it connects with the mind can also help us appreciate our mental capacity and see it in the appropriate way. Because the mind is a profound uh, instrument and our faculty of discernment is critically important uh, really to insights in- into our essential nature. So, very often meditation uh, instruction in our tradition will include an overview of the process of cosmic manifestation. So, why is it important to have that really big overview about, you know, how this whole world comes into being?
5: Well, if we have an overview, an intellectual grasp of how the one reality with uh, energy influences and characteristics emanated the universe, and produced all of the phenomena. Then we can better understand uh, how wh- wh- what, we're, what we're what we're what we are as a mind body spirit unit when we're functioning here. We can also hopefully understand the mind and its uh, its function. The mind is really the mind. Uh, 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 stores impressions of perceptions or memories, really, samskaras, and uh, enables us to reason and to think and uh, have a sense of history. So the mind is a very valuable tool. Uh, I've read in some uh, uh, mystical literature where people say you've got to destroy the mind, you've got to kill the mind. Well, that's silly. (laughs) Yes. I want, a, I want a healthy, functioning mind when I want to use my mind. I don't want to destroy the mind, and I don't want to be stupid uh, and, and incapable of uh, abstract thinking or rational thinking. But when we meditate, it is true, to meditate superconsciously, we temporarily transcend or detach attention from mental activity. But when we come back to mind identification after meditation, we should be able, with practice, to maintain a superconscious awareness uh, and and still think and use the mind creatively and productively. Uh, This is something that sometimes I think we overlook, that we can experience a a superconscious, non-thinking realization when meditating, but also well you can't function like that you have to be able to function you work through a mind when you to function in a body so the idea is according to the yogis and mystics of other other cultures is to be so established in superconsciousness that it is you, after meditation you can still be superconscious while relating to the contents of the mind relating to external events functioning effectively without being Having your consciousness blurred or unduly disturbed by what's going on outside of your awareness. Mm-hmm. So, and 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 that's 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 referred to as, as a state of liberated consciousness, where we're able to function with with self knowing, self realization, but at the same time work through a a well ordered mind and a healthy functional body, but say, at the same but always inwardly be self knowing. That's the ideal. It's not that we just meditate to withdraw and then are, are remain established in a self-knowing or self-realized uh, experience at that time, but after we, after a duration of that, we emerge and again relate realistically, wisely uh, to the and to the three dimensional world, but with higher understanding. Mm-hmm.
4: And that's really the goal of meditation practice. I know that meditation is not, you know, for its own sake um, or, or not, you know, not even, um, for the stress reducing or, you know, health I- I- inducing, um, benefits, but it is, uh, really to have us be able to live as the fully conscious, uh, liberated beings, meaning liberated from uh, the false ideas of, of, you know, what, what we are as limited to, um, body or mind. And certainly, you know, we, um, Think of your guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, as one who was able to um, abide in that superconscious uh, higher awareness while relating in the world. Tell us, you know, what that was like. Um, you know, it's like the question that Arjuna asks um, Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, what is an enlightened person like? You know, what? how do they walk? How do they talk? What do they do? What was that like being with Paramahansa Ji?
5: It was, uh, when you were with him, you realized how pure his mind and consciousness was, not that he was uh, uh, puritanical or small-minded, but he was just a pure, wholesome, high-minded person, and he always saw the, the, uh, the, the he was all, incredibly optimistic, he always saw the best possible outcomes of situations that were emerging. He was always supportive and encouraging. Uh, he used to say, "There's it's a big world and there's room for everyone in it. He wasn't talking about the population growth, but he was talking about diverse ideas, as long as people are not doing anything harmful. Uh, and uh, he always encouraged me and others to aspire to be spiritually awake, fully spiritually awake in this current incarnation and to get on with it and support that aspiration with wise realist, realistic productive actions now i know i had i had some brother disciples and over the years i've heard other people talk too who say well uh, i have a lot of karma i'm new on the spiritual path or i'm uh, i'm in advanced years i've just learned about these things Uh, Maybe I can't do it or it can't happen for me in my present incarnation. Perhaps I'll do it in a future incarnation or in the hereafter. That's not what Paramahansa Yogananda, uh, how he talked. He always said to me, you can do it uh, in this time. And uh, he encouraged me that way. So I believe it's possible for every person to wake up to be conscious of their true nature. Because really it's not a matter of our... Uh, creating a spiritual consciousness or becoming spiritual is a matter of waking up and realizing that is experiencing and knowing what we are. And since we are at the core, all pure conscious beings, we all have that potential, that capacity to wake up and discover that. Mm-hmm.
4: I I so appreciate that encouragement, you know, for me personally over the years uh, hearing that from you, and I think it makes all the difference, and so I want to underline it for our listeners today, you know, to knowing that we are already spiritual beings. Our enlightenment is a matter of um, adjusting our way of thinking and living to really live in the highest way as we have been talking about today and to know that that is possible for us in this lifetime and it's possible because we already are that which we are uh, seeking to realize. It's been such a joy to share this yoga hour with you today. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Roy, for joining us.
5: My pleasure. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to be with you and with the, with the listeners on this on this show.
4: Thank you. And just to note that we'll be back together uh, next week um, for part two of this conversation. And also a reminder that you can find out more about where Eugene Davis and the Center for Spiritual Awareness at csa-davis.org. And there are also several archived um Yoga Hour programs with him that you can find on the Unity online radio site, including um, one that is called Paramahansa Yogananda, As I Knew Him, um, based on a book written by Mr. Davis, and that uh, episode aired on March uh, 3rd in uh, 2011. We look forward to being back with you next week for Part 2. Uh, for information about the Center, Center for Spiritual Enlightenment and our upcoming fall course on spiritual practice, nine-week course that you can take online, um, please visit CSE. Center.org. that's csecenter.org you can subscribe to the yoga hour if you don't already at iTunes it's easy and it's um, free I look forward to being with you next week until then remember always to let your inner light shine into the world and to share your peace and your joy with all that you meet bye everyone and uh, thank you Jeff Comfort there in Sound Room and Unity Online for making this program possible.
3: Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio.
0: Things may happen around you. Things may happen to you. But the only things that really count are the things that happen in you.
1: This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity.
3: Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn.